Thanks, Samuel. Well, what a beautiful time, right, tonight. Just, I was telling someone, actually several people, because I was, I just had to tell everybody, it's so awesome in here. You know, like, this is so easy, um, just in the presence of God. It was like this last month, and um, it'll be like this next month. And so, come out uh, for Sunday in August. We'll be back here again. Um, for those of you that are here, like Samuel said, uh, thanks for coming. We're actually not sharing about these meetings uh, right now. We're new to this facility, so we were going to take June, July, August and just kind of get our feet wet, get our bearings in this place, and then go from there. And really, as the harbor, our strategy um, in the way that we do things here culturally is is primarily through relationships. So we're going to build what God's doing up here through our small groups. And then as he adds to that, and we have the capacity, we'll move to weekly meetings like this. But in the meantime, we're going to have... Um, monthly uh, times here at PBA on the first Sunday of every month. So come on out. We'd love to to have you hang with us. If you want to jump in and just have some fun with us, we show up here at 245. Uh, it only takes us like 15, 20 minutes to get everything set up. Then we have some food together and just spend some time with one another. And you're welcome to join us with that if, if that would be something you'd want to do. Uh, my name is Darren. I have the privilege of getting to share today. We have an amazing team that that, that a multiplicity of, of people that can preach the gospel and, and, and share the word of the Lord. And I have the, the honor to be able to do that tonight. And, and so we're going to just do that quickly as we um, conclude our time together. I think that in church, and I use that in a general way, I think there's, there's you know, so much what, unnecessary complexity um, to what we do. And so I just kind of want to break down and, and bring like a really super simple message tonight and talk about just Jesus. Um, I really believe that everything that we're giving ourselves to revolves around him. In fact, we can see this in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 36. We'll use this kind of as a jumping off verse. Um, I love this verse because I remember when I was in Bible school um, there was a song in a spontaneous moment of worship that actually came from this verse. And look what he, look what he says. Look what Paul says, Romans eleven thirty six. He says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. So everything from him to him and through him are all things. It's amazing. We'll get this up in a minute as we, as we get dialed in here. But Romans 11.36, for of him and through him and to him are all things. It's amazing. My wife and I, um, we got married when I was 21 on the verge of turning 22. And um, in our first, I think it was eight years of marriage, uh, we moved to seven different cities in eight years. Don't try that at home, okay? <laughs> um, and not only did we move to seven different cities, but within those cities, <laughs> in fact, one city, I moved us four times within that city. So when we made our decision to move to South Florida, um, that came with a warning from Wendy, if you move me again, this could be over. You know what I mean? So it was, it was like, I was like, oh, here to stay. You know what I mean? Like, um, but it, but you know, cause I don't know if, if anybody else is like this, but whenever I move, the thing that I say after I move is I will never move again. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, just packing up the kitchen is like, 
you know, you'd rather have your fingernails pulled off. You know what I'm saying? It's just bad. It's just really bad. And, and it takes a little time to forget how bad it is. And that's why we move again. But if we remembered, we would never, ever move. You know what I'm saying? We were not meant to be nomads. Did you know that? We were meant to actually settle down and kind of stay in one place. That's how God created us. And so, and so I was thinking about that. I was like, Lord, okay, we moved all these times. What was the one, if there was one thing about moving that was good, what would that be? And what it was, was to simplify every time we moved. Have you ever done that? Like, cause I, I, confession time. I'm a pack rat, man. I mean, I'm not a hoarder or anything like that. You know what I mean? But I, I mean, I've saved every single birthday card or, or Valentine's card that, that Wendy's ever given to me. I got like three filing cabinets in my garage of cards, you know, over all the years. We've been married 20 years now. So, man, I'm just, and I can't throw those things away. So those have hung with us as we've moved, you know, as we've transitioned. But how many of you know those things that you would just never give, get away or get out of your house? Man, when it's like you got like one more day to get it done, you're like, this is gone, that's gone. It, you know, at first you're trying to sell it on eBay, right? And then you're just giving it away to the person that walks in front of your home. Hey, do you want a bookshelf? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause, cause, and it feels, it feels really, really good to just get rid of the clutter, all the unnecessary weight that we carry around with us and simplify. And I think that God is doing something in the church where he's getting rid of the fluff and all the stuff that, that, that may appear awesome, but maybe isn't as awesome as we think it is. And he's given us just Jesus again. This one from whom everything comes from and from whom everything exists and from whom everything is intended for at the end of the day. So he's, he's creator, he's sustainer, and he's the ultimate completer of all things. I mean, I don't know how much more simple we can get than just going for Jesus. So we are unashamedly committed to Jesus. I want to read a poem to you that was a writing that was written by this guy named Dr. James Allen in 1926. And it was called One Solitary Life. Look at this with me. He said, This of Jesus, he says, he was born in an obscure village. The child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college or university. In fact, he never even visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. And he did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. And he went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing. The only property he had on earth. 
And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Now here's what I want you to think about as I read this final verse. Think about the profound implication. You know, if you were to read that resume, you would not associate that greatness or something that changes the world. And so many other things we would associate with, hey, this is what it's going to take to change the world. If I had 225,000 Instagram followers, I could change the world, right? And none of that was in the, the resume of Jesus. But listen to this. 19 centuries have come and gone. And today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, and all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerful as that one solitary life of Jesus. The foolish things of the world confounded the wise and they will continue to confound the wise in the days to come. You know, I can honestly say with no doubt or no question in my heart. I've been part of many, many churches, but what God is doing through the harbor in the day when we began up until now, it is being built on Jesus. And I want to see that commitment continue as we move forward into Palm Beach. It's one of the reasons the grace of God visits us. In these kind of moments where I could have sat there all night. And I'm going on two hours of sleep. I had a drive to a funeral yesterday. I have not slept. I I didn't even actually remember or realize that today was Sunday. Even at the end of the service. I asked somebody, I said, what day is today? And they're like, Darren, it's Sunday. You're in church. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. It is Sunday. Because we don't have services on either of the week. But I don't know why I couldn't figure out that it wasn't Sunday. But I was just that tired. But here's what, here's what I wanna, I wanna submit to you. There's a saying that, that as he was, so are we, and as he is, so we shall be. There's this, this beautiful connection as the sons and daughters of God to Jesus and to the journey of Jesus. Look what, look what John 316, 16 says. He says, um, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I speak to you a timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master. And an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. In other ways, in other words, the way of Jesus for Jesus is the way of Jesus for us. It's just that simple. Like we can look to his life. We can look to the way he lived. And we can see perfect theology. 
Like there may be many complexities to the Bible and many things that we don't understand and many things that we actually love to go after that we're going to continue to teach on. But I want to tell you, it is so simple. If you want to know about God and know about what the Father is like and what your life is actually to reflect, look to Jesus. Look at those red letters, man. I mean, just study his life. Study how he lived. It is profound. And I want to say this, I, I, I think this is underspoken today. I think living for Jesus is a radical life. It's a radical commitment to for real take up the cross, man. Instead of trying to figure it out our, ourselves or go our own way or what we think is successful. And man, really take up the cross. I mean, follow our Lord as our master, as servants that, that truly say, man, you are, you are the one that is 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 the one that I look to in everything with my life. You are my Lord, for real. It's a radical life. It's a radical commitment, man. And it and it is worth it. So we're trying to I think I don't think there's a person in this room. I don't actually I don't think there's actually a, a true believer that doesn't really want to make a mark on this earth with their on on this on this earth with their life. I don't think anybody is just doing this flippantly. So, so how do we, how do we tap in, um, to really seeing that reality that was on the life of Jesus manifest in us so that we can be those kind of history makers? Cause I really believe that that's what we're supposed to, to see in and through our life. Look what Peter says in second Peter. We won't go long tonight. I'm just going to show you a few things. He says, by his Divine power. Everybody say divine power. You see, there is nothing in our own strength that we can bring to the table that's actually going to change West Palm Beach. I don't know if you all know that. That, that's news, that's news for you tonight. I mean, there is nothing in our own ability that is going to be able to change this city. But by His divine power, it says that God has given us everything we need. To live a godly life. In other words, to reflect the life and essence of Jesus. He's given it all to us. I I just don't think we understand that we've been given that. Or what that looks like. What that is. Here's what he says. He says, we have received all of this by coming to know him. You see, transformation comes by getting information. And information that you can apply. Information plus application equals transformation. When you come to know God and you realize that what you've been given in Him has equipped you with everything that you need to look and reflect to the world Jesus Christ in the essence of your life. I believe this. I believe as we see Jesus more clearly. Because there's a lot, listen, back in the day even, there were many ones who came and said, I am the Christ. Christ was not Jesus' last name, it was the, it was a, it was a, it was a terminology for anointed one or, or, you know, this Messiah that was gonna rise. In fact, Jesus even said, there'll be many, many, many. There's many Jesuses out there. There's many Jesuses in church. Who's the real Jesus? Would you stand up, please? Who's the, who's, and the, and the real Jesus is the one that really changes people. 
that really changes cities, that really reflects the nature and the character of heaven. And so people are looking for the real Jesus to manifest in us. You know, to, 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 to be exuded from our essence. And I believe that as we see Jesus more clearly, we can reflect his essence more completely. I don't think we can see who Jesus is so many times, especially with what's being presented today in many ways. Verse 4, he says, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. One of the most amazing promises is that we're, this is crazy if you think about it. He says, one of these promises is that you will be enabled to share in his divine nature. What? And escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I was talking to a guy the other day that, man, he is just battling, battling lust, battling, you know, th- that whole space. And I don't know, the Holy Spirit showed up on the, on the phone as I was talking to him and I was like, bro, like this may not sound real to you right now and you may be struggling so bad that you, and for so long that you don't even maybe believe this, but man, you have a great and precious promise from heaven and that major promise is to share in the divine nature of Jesus and escape all the world's corruption caused by human desires. You can literally, like I was, I think, I don't want to embarrass, I was talking to another guy about marriage, you know. And because there's, I mean, there's bad news on the streets out there about relationships. I mean, come on guys, right? I mean, marriages are getting ripped to shreds. People in marriages are miserable, many of them. I told this guy, I said, man, yesterday was incredible in my marriage. Today was even better. And tomorrow will be even more amazing than today was. That's the kind of season I'm in right now. Like Wendy and I have found something in God as we've journeyed over peering into this one named Jesus and, and letting, you know, the reflection of, of the essence of who he is invade our very hearts. And as we then come together in agreement, man, it is creating an environment in our home that's so incredible. I'm like, man, where in the world is this even going to end? And the Lord actually told me, he said, it'll never end. It'll just keep going for as long as you live. It's like that kind of an adventure. So just a few verses as I wrap this up, because I want to sink our teeth into like seeing Jesus more clearly so that we can reflect his essence more completely. Let's, let's actually say that together. Jesus, I want to see you more clearly so we can reflect your essence more completely. So here's what Philippians says about Jesus in chapter 2, verse 6. And I'm just going to wrap up with this. We'll be done after this. He says, He existed in the form of God, comma, yet... He gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his 
supreme prize. I love that verse. There was never a thought in Jesus to seize anything to try to climb the corporate. I remember when I was, I was in the business world for, I don't know, however many years after, after college and university and, and one of the things that amazed me that I had to just kind of get some tough skin around my heart as I navigated this is what people would do to try to get a promotion. Lie about you. Step, oh, I mean, crazy ambition in the human heart. Can you imagine? Jesus, who changed the world, gave no thought ever to seizing something in his own strength. He just let it come from the Father. I remember, listen, I thought that was just business world. Then I go to Bible school and man, I'm there first week on the job in Bible school, man. I got all the, I see all these people vying for position. It was the same in the, in the disciples, man. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at your right hand? He's like, you don't even know what you're asking. He says this in verse 7. Come on, let's see Jesus here. It says, instead, he emptied himself. Until you've been through one of these seasons where, man... You either voluntarily empty yourself or he'll help empty you for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've just learned now to, hey, just uh, cut me open. I mean, just, you know, all of me out, all of you in, right? But he emptied himself of any external glory. Think about this. How often could we or do we use external giftings to get what we desire? Or to see fruit in ministry. There was nothing beautiful about Jesus. In his exterior. I mean. He maybe wasn't even all that charismatic. I don't know. He maybe wasn't the most eloquent eloquent communicator. But when he spoke. There was a power on his life. That astounded people. Because it was just so raw. There was nothing else like kind of adding to it. It was coming from such a pure place, man. I mean, he just put out his hand when the people came to, to, to capture him on that night that he was betrayed. And they just fell over. Just with the extension of his hand. There was something on the inside of him. Look at this. Two more and then we're done. Verse 8. It says that he humbled himself. And he quantifies what that humility looked like. It says that he became vulnerable. Uh Uh-oh. Darren, you're poking around here a little bit. You know... 
there's nothing more humbling than being completely vulnerable before somebody. All the married people in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. Where I think I saw it in the movie one time where the, this guy says, man, she could destroy me right now. But the reason that she could is because he was so vulnerable before that other person. In, in community, and this isn't for everybody, by the way. I mean, this is like for those people that earn that place around your inner circle. God is taking the church to a place where we can be totally transparent with each other and vulnerable. No more walls. There's so many walls in the church. Because of pain. Because of hurt in the past. Last one. I love this. Because of that obedience God exalted him because it's the obedience to everything I said he didn't try to seize anything he emptied himself he humbled himself and became vulnerable he was the perfect example and because of that God exalted him and multiplied his greatness and he has now been given the greatest of all names. It's like when Sarah was singing Jesus tonight. I just wanted to say, keep singing. Keep singing that beautiful name because it's the name above every other name. I want you to think about this as you go home tonight. Remember when Joseph, because we're all, we're all starting to have some dreams. And if you're not, you need to start dreaming because there's greatness coming to the earth right now. We're living in this moment. But when Joseph had his dream, he didn't understand it at first because he didn't get Jesus exactly. He was a type of Jesus, so he was going to become like Jesus, actually. But in the dream, he saw his father and his brothers bowing to him. But here's the deal. I tweeted this this week. Don't get caught up in your position and lose sight of your mission in the vision the reason he was above his father and his brothers was for a greater purpose it had nothing to do with his level of authority so God had to flip the script to get him ready to where the next scene is he's in a pit And his brothers and his father are above him. Do you see that? They were looking down on him. Why? I believe that he had to be shaped by the love of God to be prepared to steward the management of all that he was going to be placed over. Because think about this. In in the life of Jesus, Philippians reveals this in chapter 2, verse 10. It says, The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to its name, his name. So 
there's this power and this authority that was over Christ that will be over us. So we go, I, I, I just feel, I, 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 I need to say this, because some of you are like, man, I don't see right now what God has for me. I feel like I can so identify with Joseph in the pit, or Joseph being forgotten when he asked his brothers to go tell the whoever to get him out of jail. But here's what you have to understand. Colossians 2.12, last verse. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life. You see, before we can get to that place, you have to be buried first, and then you're raised second. Because this postures you to handle the management of all things. Like, think about that. Like, I don't know what our journey is going to be like here in Palm Beach. But we have been called to manage a whole lot up here in this county. So we need to see that our position, actually, it's all about the mission. It's not about, you know, us being known or, or, or wow, look at the harbor or, man, the worship team was awesome or, you know, whatever, whatever that may be like. It's, it's talking about stewarding lives with bread when there's a famine in the earth. A famine in the nation. People need something to eat. They need a place to come where their souls can be refreshed for real. And not just have another show. But come in and be like, my God, something happened into me. In in my heart, in the midst of those people. What in the world was that? At the end of the day, Jesus is the hero. And leaders are leaders who mentor other leaders, who raise up other leaders, who say, Jesus, you at the end of the day are the hero. Believers moving from consumers to conduits. We need to see that change. And the measurement of city transformation being our highlight versus church attendance and people and the numbers sitting in the pews with how much money they give. This is what God is up to. Would you stand up with me tonight? 29 minutes. That's way better than last month. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Come on, lift your hands with me. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the beauty of this meeting. We thank you for Jesus, the Son of God, who is seated upon a throne far above everything else. And Lord, thank you that we, by grace, have been seated there with Him. Lord, give us the capacity to look into the mystery of your word at this one called the Son of God and help us to see him more clearly so that we can reveal him more completely. We are followers of him. We are his offspring. We have been given the greatest promise to share in His divinity, His divine likeness. We love You tonight, Lord. You are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. Lord, would You just change us from the inside out. Let us empty ourselves. Let's not look to all those exterior beauties, uh, some having more of those than others. Amen. 
come and do what you want to do through our lives, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are supposed to laugh at that last joke. Anyhow, listen, God bless you guys. We'll see you next uh, next month right here, first Sunday in August. God bless you guys.